Arabs podcast. Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And Killian. And Ahmed. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Alia. I'm Saudi and a lesbian. I am Ellie and I am bi, trans, and Lebanese, and we are recording in America. And, and I am Killian. I am a Muslim queer and in America as well. And I'm Ahmed um, Iraqi, and I live in the U.S. So, as you can hear, there were four of us who introduced ourselves. So, the reason for that is we are going to be speaking to the other half of our podcast. So, Ahmed and Killian have the Arabic half of our podcast, and they do Arabic episodes. So, we thought we would introduce them more to the English side of things. So This is like that book, How Does the Other Half Work? Ooh, I love it. Listeners who know English can get to know our Arabic half of the podcast. So thank you guys so much for coming on. It's our pleasure. It's an honor. Thank, so Thank you very much. Let's just get started with some introductions. So Killian, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Killian Collin. I am a civil and labor rights advocate, uh, activist in San Diego County in California. I was born and raised in Iraq, uh, lived briefly in Syria before moving to the U.S. back in 2011. Right now, I'm working on, uh, I'm, uh, working on finishing my uh, chemical engineering degree here at the University of California. And I am so excited for, you know, working with the queer Arab on recording the Arabic episodes. Yes, me Yay. too. And I'm so excited you both are part of this now. Um, so Ahmed, can you tell people about yourself? So my name is Ahmed. I was born in Iraq as well. Uh, moved to the US like uh, 12 years ago and uh, have been living here ever since. And I've been busy with school and work and all of that, and I still have a day job, but I've always been passionate about podcasting. So doing a queer era podcast is a dream come true. Awesome, yeah. It's so, it's so, it's so amazing that the four of us found each other. Yeah, so. I do actually have an impromptu question. Have either of you done other podcasts, or are we your first? As a listener, Oh. But I'm like an avid listener of podcasts. I like I listen to multiple hours per day. Awesome. How about yeah. you, Kevin? Um, I've been a guest on several podcasts and radio shows. That's because you know after I after I started uh, after I came out to the public as a whistleblower in the Wells Fargo shady account scandal, a lot of stations offered interviews with me, and some of them did a podcast recorded. I'm familiar with it, but I never actually worked on it as a host or a co-host. Okay, so in a way, we are their first. I'm so I feel so special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And like when I was young, when I was young, people told me that I have the BBC voice, which I always thought is like a hilarious joke. Like, yeah, right, I'm gonna be on the BBC one day. But maybe, maybe this is better, right? Maybe they had something, yeah, maybe there was something to what they were saying. Yeah, but don't worry, since it's your first time, we'll be gentle. Oh my awesome. god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wants to be on BBC with all the boring news, you know? So, like, exactly. this is more fun, right, Ahmed? Exactly, this is way more interesting. That, and we yeah. can say fuck here. <laughs> that's the main yeah, benefit without here. getting fired exactly yeah yeah we are our own bosses so we can say yes. what, we can swear however the fuck we want so um i would love to hear your perspective and i'm sure the listeners would too about what the arabic episodes what do you think that will mean to people like why why do you think it's important 
Yeah, what's your deal? So Should I go I first, Ahmed? Yeah, definitely. My, my main purpose is just to give some hope for our brothers and sisters in the queer community, uh, in the Arab world, in the Middle East, uh, and in, 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 in many other conservative countries, you know, that they, they speak Arabic. I believe that the queer community um, in the Arab world are the, one of the most oppressed communities, you know, over there. Um, if you don't have the specific privileges, if you don't have, you know, connection to the government, Basically, you, know, you could be locked up, you could be sentenced to death, or maybe too many years in prison, maybe subject to honor killing by your family. Just because of the way you are, you are born with, and just because of the person you love. And I believe, you know, as somebody who is an activist, who is working always to empower the most vulnerable in our communities, I believe that being part of that community and going through the same struggle that that other queers are going through in the Middle East, it made me at least want to give them a voice and a platform to share and maybe to listen, to feel that they're not alone. It's more, for me, it's more like giving support to the queer community in the Arab world than anything else. How about yeah. you? And um... even outside, yeah, and even outside the, the Arab world, I feel that we're still in the stage of community building. Like, uh, even that there are voices outside, out there and there are social media accounts and you know and publications and whatnot but i feel the there isn't a community yet like the people are still scattered all over the place yeah and so yeah there is a space for for yeah them. i mean like just look at the podcast scene i mean there's there's queer there's us queer Arabs, like both our podcasts and there's like queer perspectives beirut yeah, it's uh, the Queer Narratives Beirut. Queer, yeah, Queer And that's narrative. specific to Beirut. It's an yeah. awesome podcast. And there's also like Queer Arabs Halifax. Yeah, but... Like, they're, it, but they're, lo again, local. And I don't know, like specifically having an Arabic language podcast about this subject is very important. So, Ahmed, what is, what's your perspective on like why it's important to have this in Arabic? First of all, not everyone is able to speak English, right? So a lot of members in the community are, they don't speak English, right? So it's wonderful that we, we have all these English podcasts, but they just don't have access to it. Yeah. And even for those who speak both languages, I think there is something to be said to having, talking to someone in your own native language and learning certain terms in your own native language. That that can be empowering. Um, not that, that we can't learn and interact in other languages just as easy, but I think there is some, some power in there in, in claiming your own native language and having that as the vehicle for your thoughts and for your struggles, basically. Especially that our topic is not, you know, it's not the general news about, you know, things that you rarely care about it's not a movie it's like something very intense very personable yeah per very personal so it's it's really hard not to you know like it's 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 an intense close up close and personal kind of okay so like what i think about is really neat about all of this is this is like the first queer arab generation that's you know being out and documented really before like Basically, this generation, it was so suppressed. It was just like very niche, very, you know, in the shadows. You had to know where to look. You had to ask the right the academic. Like, but now we're having some, like, you know, since I argue since the 90s, like we're finally getting like queer Arabs who are in the Middle East or who 
who are not like you know just basically raised in the raised and completely immersed in the white community you, you know talking about their experiences talking about wanting to relate to their culture and the really cool thing and sort of the scary thing is you know because the internet is so ephemeral uh nothing there's like no internet archaeology like once the servers go offline you know eventually itunes will drop our podcast or whoever else and it's just you know where are you going to find it unless somebody throws up a torrent or something? Yeah. I mean, I guess it'll be up to us to preserve it somehow, you know? Yeah. And unlike, say, like the gay community in America in the 50s, where they put out magazines and publications and, you know, playbills and all that, we don't have that much, especially on the international scale. Like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like flyers in Beirut and maybe sometimes Egypt, but... Yeah. But it's good yeah. we're starting. We're starting this and we need to do our our part in preserving what we create so it doesn't disappear. Yeah. So that's and and Ellie, you said something, I think even before we started the Arabic version of the podcast, you said something about, you said we came into a life in which, into a community, into a society, and our parents didn't like prepare us, didn't prepare society for us. And we don't like fit into the mainstream in a way. So in a way, we yeah. are going through a journey of creating our own community, of creating our own space. Because the spaces that were there before us, they don't fit us at all. Yeah. And that resonated with me beyond belief. And I, it, I kept thinking about it. And I think it's applicable in both, like it's applicable in the inner world. And it's applicable outside of it as well, because yeah, even the space here in the, you know, in the immigrant uh, or like, you know, second generation, third generation uh, type uh, deal, it's still it's still not a space that it's open and welcoming to all of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and even compared to say the Western uh, gay movements, like the original homophile movements in the early 1900s in Germany and such, like, we didn't have that. We like in the Middle East that didn't exist there because they were still dealing with um, colonization and all the effects of that. And a lot of and do your colonization in the Middle East really didn't start to like the 1940s and 50s. So even if we're like going by the absolute scale of like starting at like 1910, say the start of the homophile movement, you know, we're like still 50 years behind the curve. Like if you mm -hmm. want if you want to use their scale. Yeah. So, Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and to, to be very, really blunt, we are still not like the Middle East is still not done, like dealing with the effects of decolonization. I agree oh, with no. you and followed also with dictatorships, civil wars, the rise, the rise of uh, extremist Islamic groups like ISIS and Al Qaeda. Yeah. Um, so all of these the brotherhood in Egypt, you know, all of these uh, you know, movement are anti-LGBT community in general, anti-women. The dictatorship, civil wars, they, 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 they fed on these, on these ideologies, you know, to keep people distracted with it and uh, let people kind of kill each other and so they could control power more and more and they could scare more people. So uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, we all, the Middle East is, is not that close even to our experiment here. Maybe, maybe some, 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 some uh, uh, like some countries who has a, somehow liberal movements like Lebanon, Tunisia, mm -hmm. Turkey, maybe those countries will see the light in terms of LGBT rights way before any other countries. But uh, the conservative countries like Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, I don't think 
they will have any LGBT rights and uh, rights rise in any time soon so unfortunately and i guess that's another reason it's important to have the arabic episodes so that people in countries like that know that they are not alone and so um and also just to add to what ahmed says earlier even here you know we are not fully accepted uh, especially you know our communities our muslim communities our middle eastern communities they still reject us here yeah. in the u.s and uh, we are also somehow you know diverse community and we don't just fit into the typical lgbt white community as well you know we have our own beliefs we have our own values uh, some of them are welcoming to diversity some of them are still not we're still facing prejudice you know um, I mean, I face less prejudice just because I, my my skin color is, is is whiter than many other Arab queers. But I understand the struggle. I understand the racism within the gay community here as well. And yeah, just like Ahmed says, you know, we're still denied a full acceptance, specifically from our communities. Yeah, you're right. That it's still an issue here. But at least you know they're not raiding our apartment trying to stop this thing. Correct. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah, and we are grateful for that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, our fight now is for for acceptance, for more tolerance, for yes. gaining a, a full right. You know, our fight is not for life or death, like in the Middle East, which is thanks God. Uh, so that's the privilege that we're. That's the privilege that that make us different than than the uh, specifically out of the queer situation in the Middle East that here. Well, how many episodes are we up to with them? Like, I think we're on, we've recorded the third one. Yeah, we've published two. Um, they've done some more recordings yeah, since I then. Yeah, I think we technically have four recorded. Yeah. Because we have, like, uh, two parts. Like, we have an episode in two oh, parts. Oh, yeah, that's right. Since starting this podcast um, in Arabic, what are some cool things that, like, you've learned or you've taken away from it, the experience so far? Yeah, what have we missed out on? <laughs> <laughs> so, Killian, do you want to tell them about the first episode? I, I, I don't want to speak so much about the episode because I want our listener to listen to them and, and, and you know, know more about it. But let me yeah. say this this thing, you know, uh, it, it, it gave me hope when, I, when, I, when I've done these interviews with, with, with the Arabic queers in the Middle East. Uh, it gave me hope. It gave me, like, the knowledge that actually people are resisting, even though... It could be a death penalty for for them, you know. Few days ago, I was speaking with an Arabic queer from Oman, which is a very, very, very conservative country. So, you know, they were telling us about the parties they were doing between between you know the LGBT community. Uh, how do they cover each other? How do they protect each other? These, are, for me, these are not just parties. These are these are resistant parties. It wasn't just you know a, a regular episode for me. It was something that empowered my soul and and uh, gave me hope in the Middle East actually in 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 terms of LGBT rights uh, that people actually are doing something are not that quiet about their rights. They are still you know some of them practicing their their lie but in secret. That's the that's the problem that they're facing. They cannot go public with it. But I think this is the first step that every community should do is getting together, even though in, in you know it's under the ground. And for people who don't know Arabic, it's good for them to kind of get a summary. So that was that was awesome. 
Yeah, spoilers yeah. if you do, though. Spoilers if you, if you speak here. <laughs> so basically, the first episode is about Pride season. We try to cover, like, you know, the Pride basics about Stonewall and all of that for people who are, who are not familiar with it. Yeah. And uh, we had a couple of other cool episodes as well. But I would say, like, one thing that stayed with me is how mature and, like, aware the people we had on the podcast so far are. Like, they are not only aware of queer issues, yeah. but they are overall mature, aware, well-read people. And that, like, you know, that left me with, like, how amazing we are, like, as queer people all over the world. Like, we are, we are really, I feel we are really special and we are really amazing. And we have a lot to offer to overall society beyond queer issues. So you both are from Baghdad, correct? Correct. And when you were living in Iraq, did you have any type of media or anything at all where like you could learn about queer issues? Uh, so no, me personally, like it was even it wasn't even a topic that people would discuss openly. Like I would hear whispers about people who are like believed to be gay or you know they had an affair here or like an extramarital affair there. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's not even something that, you know, it's not even something that was discussed openly. Uh, and having said that, I'm pretty sure that changed a little bit now that there is, you know, the new social media, the, the new age of social media in which you can be anonymous and you can join groups and talk about things online without, you know, people knowing who you are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so I would say I would say right now people have a better level of awareness. But me personally, when I was young, no, this was before, before we before even before the internet. So yeah. yeah. How about you, Killian? Um, so my experience does not much differ from Ahmed's experience, especially that I left Iraq uh, in in my teenage years. So I I did have few sexual interactions. But they were so very, very little. They were very, very minimum. Uh, it was with people who are too close to me, like my cousins. I know that sounds gross, but that you know, it was limited options for me. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I didn't even know that it was actually a thing. I didn't even know that the queer community actually it's a thing. I thought that's a curiosity thing inside me and inside other people. So I didn't fully accept it myself because I didn't know who I am. I thought it's just normal. Everybody do it. Yeah. Uh, since, you know, especially like two of my cousins done it with me, you know, so I, I thought it's just something that is normal, you know, that people do it uh, and don't talk about it, you know, because it's forbidden. But then when I moved to Syria, um, I moved there at the age of, I think, 16 or 17. That's when I actually started exploring more options, started meeting strangers. Uh, we yeah. didn't have a grinder. Internet was yeah. very expensive. Internet was very expensive too, you know, like we have to go to an internet cafe and we have to pay by hour. Um, and it was very, very expensive. So, you know, I, I get to use like internet maybe one hour a week. That's like maximum. And I didn't know there was actually a dating website for, for, for the gay community. But then I, I start going to a public park. That's where people meet. That's like the offline grinder. The offline, yeah. <laughs> Uh, there where I was meeting people actually, you know, um, they, they dress up normally, like very, you know, just like every, everybody else, like they have to act really, really straight, like manly, like manners, uh, to avoid being 
arrested by the police or being harassed by the people. Because, you know, I lived in Aleppo, which is a conservative city. And uh, still, like, it wasn't like there was nothing on the surface that says we are LGBT or we are actually a community. Again, I grew up knowing nothing about the queer community except the trans community. Trans community was very accepted in the Middle East. Um, you know, uh, it's, I think Islam is the only religion who allow people to gen- change the gender, you know, if, if, you know, for biological or psychological reasons, uh, according to the Azhar uh, fatwa. So I grew up like I know that there was a lot of trans women dancing in parties, dancing in women weddings. Uh, but for the like, like the gay or lesbian things, like, oh, that was like a forbidden taboo. Like we don't even talk about it. So yeah, I didn't, I wasn't really exposed to it until I moved to Syria. And in Syria, actually, people were uh, like, they have more networking under the ground. They do like secret parties. They, I mean, I had a partner there when I was there before I moved to the U.S. Uh, but nothing is actually, we didn't have like a LGBT pride <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> or something right. like that. Yeah. Since Ellie and I have never lived in the Middle East, like it's good to get your perspective. Yeah, at this at this time, maybe it's not the best place to live as a couple, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe in some parts, like the, like like in Lebanon, for example, or even in Syria, if you live in Damascus, it's my way way more open-minded than Aleppo city. Uh, oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, they do not have like LGBT pride or something, but you could be more openly uh, proud about your about your you know sexuality than in Aleppo city it used to be in Cairo before in, in Egypt until now Mr. Sisi is, is is attacking the LGBT community you know right. for some reason his his fraudulent masculinity got affected by us coming to the surface you're like why is this so personal for you I don't know like yeah. this is something I don't get it like yeah. they think they think it's a sin they think it's like well, if it's a sin if you're doing it with us, not like if we're doing it with each other. Like, how is it? <laughs> right. How is how is it that affecting you? It's like, come I on, know. man. Let, you know, less for us, more for you. Just just let us, let us live. <laughs> yeah, but the promotion of religious well, the argument is the promotion of religious values against an unpopular minority is a pretty safe way for dictators to give themselves legitimate legitimacy by you know being the defenders of public morality, which yep. sucks. Yep. For Ali and I, when we met, we like aside from like activists, circ- like uh, activists who came out of town. Like I had never met another queer Arab. Like there was mm-hmm. like this one woman who owned a business and who was in the closet, and she was at her in her forties at the time. So we met for coffee once, and we had nothing in common. And that was like the only queer Arab that I met like in Houston before Alia. So and I'm I can be pretty social. I. T- tend to float in a lot of activist circles and just no one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same here. Yeah. I, you were the first queer Arab I ever met in my life, aside from myself. I, I definitely That I think, knew of, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. I definitely think it's a new phenomenon, even in the U.S., that there are out queer Arabs. Yeah. Because, of, or, of course, there's always been queer Arabs. Of course, yeah. Usually, even those who live in the U.S., they used to be in, you know, uh, opposite sex marriages, yeah. no one would ever talk about it, or even if they were to come out, their families and their communities would never know. I've even heard of people who would like lie about their names and the countries that they are from in order for like the word would not get out yeah. on who they oh, are. Wow. 
Yeah. So like even that they are like they are in queer circles, they would they would they would claim that they are from a different country. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to be associated like they don't want someone to say, oh, yeah, I also have a friend from Iraq. You should meet him uh, like they, they don't want to take that chance. Um, right. So and, and that's that continue to be the case sometimes. Right. Especially in conservative cities like. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So. But uh, I don't know. I'm hopeful. Maybe maybe tomorrow will be a better day. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I think things are already feeling more hopeful than at least for me, feeling a lot more hopeful than even a year ago when I was just like Ellie and I were just getting to know other queer Arabs really, and just just knowing that this community is out there and we like are starting to actually connect with each other is a huge ray of hope. Um, so it's, it's just been a, it's been very eye opening for me. Maybe I'm just late to, late to the party, you Um, know, Arabs late to the party. You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping up the stereotypes. We don't want to perpetuate stereotypes that we are late. (laughs) Yeah, Ellie. (laughs) Come on. I mean, just let's, let's just say, unfortunately, Ali is right. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no but seriously it's um like ahmed mentioned earlier it's really important that we create our own community where we all of our identities are celebrated versus like separated or compartmentalized um and we need a space where we can combine like our roots and our queerness and celebrate both at once and not have to separate them um so we brought this up on a past episode like an arab center here in houston told us that the community isn't ready for lgbt spaces and so that was really eye-opening um and that kind of motivated me to figure out okay uh so they're saying that we are not part of the community by by specifying okay the community's not ready for all of you yet you know your full Mm -hmm. self yet and so that kind of um just being having it put that way made me realize then you were like why confirmed it's like like you you were like i wish we could do a podcast like we could do a podcast yeah that's when we first started saying oh we should do something to like say okay we are part of part of the community but i guess we have to Find our own space within the community. Even if it's sometimes just shouting at the community, hey, we're a part of you. Remember us? (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's when we first started talking about a podcast. And it was just in like really briefly. And then we didn't start it till this spring. And it's it's been really great. I think through this podcast, like we've met, we've gotten connected to so many amazing people. And it is really giving us hope um that you know people are willing to talk and even if people want to stay anonymous that's fine like just the fact that people are talking about this issue is Mm -hmm. huge a huge step and also like killian said it's important that people know that they're not alone so even though everyone's scattered around the world like um queer arabs are scattered around the world it's important to know that no, you're not alone. I mean, it might feel like it sometimes, but um, yeah, you'll always have a family. 
And, and it's really easy to fall into the false belief that you are alone, even like even if you are in a gay friendly city, but you see like, oh wait, everyone else has a, a like a romantic interest, or everyone has a lot of good friends, and I'm by myself, and I'm you know. So so we we do have. I think that's an ongoing theme in the queer community. It's a struggle we all have. Yeah. So it's it's really important to con to combat that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's mostly because of the absence of family role in our life. You know, um, mm -hmm. even though our families, you know, accept us somehow, somewhere, still not fully embrace it. Um, and I mean, I am yeah. talking about my case at least, um, and I'm pretty sure my case is not that unique for many people. I mean, my parents accepted me, but they are not fully embrace it. Like, it's not like, right? It's not. It's not like you know, we're talking about my wedding's plans or something like that. They so, don't even ask, they don't ask me if I'm dating or not, you know. So So they're not husband hunting for you? No, they're not husband <laughs> hunting for me, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, that's right. why I'm I'm doing that, you know, twenty four seven because nobody's helping me with it. <laughs> what, they won't even introduce you to that nice gay doctor they met. Ugh. Well <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to that point. I'm sure one day we'll get to that point when like Arab moms would be like, oh, so I met my doctor and he's so great. <laughs> like, he's so, what, he would be so wonderful for you. Well, the, the only problem is my sister is still single and like my mom's so busy husband hunting for my sister. <laughs> so there is some competition in my own markets. Yeah. So. yeah. You got to set your priorities straight, right? Yeah. 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 Well, uh, why can't straight, I be a priority? Like... So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Ahmed, how's your family been about everything? So, I I've heard something recently that said that there is a difference between tolerance and between being open and being affirming. Yeah. So, uh, I did come out to my family and we exchanged messages about it, but it, we haven't talked about it. We haven't had a heart to heart talk about it. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to get any worse, right? I think this is like the, this is the worst phase it can, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's not going to get worse. It, it, it will get better in the future. Uh, but no, I can't complain, right? Because I know, I know that there are so many others in much worse, in a, in a, in a worse position. So uh, I, I'm grateful for the family that I have. Yeah. Uh, having said that, you know, we all, you always have questions about the, your extended family and what about this person? What about that person? Yeah. Yeah. So that's an even a bigger question. But having said that, you know. You get yeah. you. I guess even if you end up with part of your family being uh, open and affirming and accepting, then this is the part that you have, and you don't have the other parts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've had to come to terms with that. There are a few people on my Saudi side who knew who know about it and who are very supportive, but you know, in the end, at the end of the day, like they would never. I don't think they would be able to defend me, you know, like if if it came to be this big family scandal or whatever, I don't know if any of them would actually speak up for me. Mm -hmm. And for a while that really bothered me. But I'm coming to this space where I'm like, no, I need to just be grateful for who I have and what I have and like they do what they can. 
and they're not in a position where they can like fully, you know, stand up for something that when they're not in a safe place to do it. So I keep that in mind a lot. Yeah, our blood family is something we can't, uh, you know, we can't go get a new one. We can't work really hard and make them better. Like we are in a way, you know, it's, they're the family that we have and they may not be perfect. And we, we, we can choose not to have interactions with some of them, right? Because they get toxic to a point. Yeah. Yeah. So it all depends on the situation. So, yeah. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like a lot for the people. And we have had a couple guests on the show who said, no one in my family is talking to me except for yeah. one person. And that, you know, that's heartbreaking. That's so heartbreaking. That's a very difficult thing. To lose your family is just, it's so hard. Because that's, a lot of times, that's someone's only support network for most of their lives. And um, to lose that must be very, very difficult to get through and to get over. And yeah. maybe, maybe no one ever fully gets over something like that. I don't know. And, and I believe that was the main purpose why we actually decided to do the show in Arabic. And because we are trying to tell people that your story is, is, is not, you're not alone, you know, like your story. Yeah. It is, it is a unique story, but the struggle is almost very common in, 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 in the Arab world, the Muslim world, um, in, in pretty much every conservative society. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that us giving a voice to them, um, that's that's actually a, could be very helpful it could be life-saving for some of us you know we we go through so many struggles i personally went through you know um a clinical depression i had an anxiety in the past uh i attempted suicide you know also so yeah. i got a second chance chance in life but that second chance is not available for everybody so yeah. i mean i mean yes we are not doctors we are not psychologists you know but maybe that, you know, support that we give through our podcast will maybe maybe will be a life saving for some of us. Yeah, and in a sense, we are we can be each other's family. You know, mm. so. Yeah, and it would be amazing if through the podcast, whether the English version or the Arab version, we can reach you know family members and friends and people who truly genuinely don't understand. Yes. And if they can listen to our stories and be like, wait, these are real people. Like, it's not, you know, this is not it's some conspiracy made by, you know. Yeah. That evil Western influence. And, <laughs> and, My uh, favorite phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're not all prostitutes and, you know, grinder addicts. <laughs> Well, well may, nothing wrong maybe, with maybe, grinder. Maybe addicts. not in my case. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> some of us, some of us. Yes. Some so, of hey, some nothing. Some of us use grinder as a Facebook. So <laughs> some of us use it moderately. <laughs> okay. Yeah. For me, yeah. For me, it's like Facebook or Snapchat. It's just another social media. Oh. Yeah. 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 We all have our levels of grinder usage some none and some every day <laughs> yeah from one to ten i believe i'm ten and a half you're so like four. 11. <laughs> i prime, love it prime, grinder prime <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. grinder should totally sponsor us we're giving them so much advertising grinder well, if you're listening 
Yeah. This is really affordable. This is a great opportunity for you. It is, really and you have your you have a number one number one fan, Killian. <laughs> yeah, so grinder, if you're listening, you know, I am like I'm more than happy to accept uh your grinder premium offer, so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not awkward. <laughs> I'm too Not. tired of the next 200 guy near my place. You know, I've you know, like I've already checked them all. So please, I need oh some diversity. <laughs> oh, I love it. But yeah, going back, I mean, yeah. And so, if family members, like you said, if family members of queer people hear this, then they might. Some people might think, okay, I this person is just like my son, or yeah, you know, like. Yeah. Especially when it's really difficult, it might be really difficult to have that conversation with your son or your brother that's gay. Yeah. But it might be easier to just listen to this and you not, you know, they're not people you personally know, but, right. you know, it's a similar point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So it's another resource for people to be like, um, I'm not ready to talk about this yet, but listen to this. Yeah, let's see. Let's see yeah. if how overreactive they get to it. That's like mm-hmm. they'll be like, "Oh, it's pretty neat." And it's like, "Oh, by the way, I have to come out to you now," as opposed to it's like, <laughs> "Oh my God, that evil Western influence has corrupted these poor children." Pl- mm-hmm. Pray, pray for them. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which you know, it's perhaps not the time. Yeah, yeah. and that's like I have a friend who's a native. Uh, speaker of an Indian language. I'm not sure which one specifically, yeah. but he's been trying to come out to his parents and like he's in a, such a unique position because he can't find a therapist who would speak his parents. His parents don't speak English. He can't find a therapist in the whole state that that's fluent in that language. Oh, wow. And there aren't any resources. There aren't any TV shows. There aren't any podcasts. There aren't no any publications in that language. Yeah. And and he's really he's like I have to explain everything by myself to them with wow. no support. Like yeah. That's a yeah. lot of pressure for one person. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no you know. Yeah. No professional medium who can. Um, yeah. Like someone with a degree who's used to used to communicating about this stuff and who has the language and the fancy words and the charts and the graphs all printed out for them yeah which which matters to some people it because does, that's yeah. to them that's a story that's a doctor telling me this you know that's not my little child that you know it's telling me that he knows better yeah. Yes, the the yeah. one who broke all my dishes because they wanted new dishes, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't like dinner. Yes, that yeah. child who maybe like thirty years plus now and has a PhD. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. So you're guess... always that kid to your mom. <laughs> yeah, always. So I guess to kind of wrap this up, um, what do each of you see? I guess I know it's hard to predict, but what do you guys hope for the future with the Arabic part of the podcast? Um, I mean, I'm hoping to get as many audience as possible. Um, I'm hoping that people actually, when they are tired, when they're emotionally exhausted because of their life situation, will actually turn our podcast and start listening to us. I'm hoping that we interview more, more uh, queers from the Middle East. Uh, I'm hoping that people actually will start organizing in the Middle East, whether it's 
over the ground or under the ground. Um, starting maybe coming out to the public in the service, uh, maybe seeing some marriage equality in, in some progressive places like Lebanon and, and Turkey and Tunisia. Um, so they said these are the things I'm hoping and I'm hoping that we grow as a, as a podcast and we get more inclusive about the LGBT community issues. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I'm hoping. And um, I know we're we're getting there hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. So so the Arabic uh, version is on a biweekly schedule now, right? Yeah. So we hope to like my hope is that we'll continue and we'll have as many voices as possible to tell their stories. And uh, just, you know, just to continue and to keep listening to people. That's it's not rocket science, but right. somebody got to do it. And I'm glad we are the ones doing it. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're so happy that we are connected with you guys. It's and sometimes, great. yeah, sometimes, I mean, we have no choice but to be the first. So, yeah. You know, I mean, Rosa Park was, you know, yes, she wasn't the first who tried to sit in white people's seats uh, in, 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 in the South, but but she was the first to come out publicly with it, with the news coverage, with media coverage. Uh, so, I mean, sometimes we just have to be the first in, 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 in starting a revolution or a movement or yeah. uh, inspiration movement like this one, like the one we are doing. So uh, there's no, sh you know, there's nothing wrong with me in the first. Yes, it's going to be harder. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be, we're going to yeah. face more challenging, but challenges, but hey, we can do it. It keeps it interesting. We, you know, we figure it out as we go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the four of us, like, uh, we have a chat going on all the time, and we just like toss out ideas to each other, and it's it's great because it's just like you know we don't have a plan, a set plan. We're just figuring it out as we as we do it. Career yeah. podcast, making shit up as we make as we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. As we and go. please, yep. if, if anybody out there has any thoughts for the Arabic version of it like just let us know just write us you have yeah. we have a, we have an email for arabic language the queer arabs in arabic at gmail.com please write us like yeah. let us know even if you think it's not the most interesting idea in the world write it write us an email yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're all open to any any ideas any feedback anything so we're um open to everything so like um, we are at Ellie and I are at thequeerarabs at gmail.com and then as Ahmed said they're at thequeerarabs in Arabic at gmail.com and um, we are also all on social media we have Instagram Twitter and Facebook the queer Arabs um, we have that website thequeerarabs.com yes we have a website thequeerarabs.com you can get all of the English and the Arabic episodes on there so uh, and we're on iTunes, all the main podcast platforms. Maybe we should get a grinder page. <laughs> yes. That would But who would run it? Who would be qualified to Killian. run that page? I think Killian One... would be the most qualified. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I'm afraid I'm overqualified for that. So. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> oh, good. Then you're, you're, you're then you're just qualified enough for an entry level position. Oh right. Well, yeah. maybe. <laughs> Grinder, you have to pay us. You were you were mentioned in this podcast like more than anyone. Yeah, <laughs> so you have to pay us. Yeah, and and we ac we accept in kind donation too, like like a free you know. No, we want like money. No. no. Well, maybe you, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh Full disclaimer, Killian does not negotiate for the organization on this issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, uh, when you're a volunteer, you have a pass. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah. For sure. uh, but yeah, um, thanks for hanging out with yeah, us tonight, guys. Thank you all. Um, and please rate us and review us on iTunes. And that will make more people see our podcast and be able to listen to it. So take a few minutes and rate and review us. It means a lot to us. Okay, ma'asalama.